0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, let's go to our foundational scripture because we had made a curve last week. And God is still preparing us for many things that is to come. And so in Hebrews chapter 11 is where our foundational scripture is. And I just want to remind us that we are still dealing with God's next move and God preparing us for that next move. And we want to put ourselves in position. Don't, don't when he's trying to position you, don't force your way back to wherever else you want to be. When he pushes you or he gently nudges you to move forward as this church move forward, move forward with it. Amen. We want to make sure that we're ready in advance for God's next move. We must be prepared to deal with the adversities. We must be prepared to be established in God's will. That's our preparation time. And God is staying on us about this so much. You know, even this thing about not spending money to the seventh. Let me tell you, it, it, this wasn't, it, this was not like, If you deal with that, you fend. No, it's just showing you where you are. You need to just see where you are. You know, if you just how angry you are, it ought to it should calm you down and let you see some things about yourself. That's basic, and it's still again, it's preparing you for what is to come, so you could be ready in advance. Now, now, now we're taking our text and we're looking at the example of Noah. And Noah did some things to show his preparation, and this is what we should do. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, not only did Noah plan the work, he worked the plan. I told you that like, he knew he was prepared. No matter what people were saying, no matter what, how people were thinking, he was just doing what God, you have to stay on your assignment even when it looks foolish to other people you stay where you need to be. I'm just going to go over a few of the things and we're going to jump into the new information. It's very important, but you need to understand before as we flow into it. Amen. And so we asked the question, are you prepared? We know here Noah was, but you should have been asking yourself the question on last Sunday and all the week, am I really prepared? Am I prepared? Are you prepared to be restored? Are you prepared to be in a place of restoration? Because that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to restore us from things that we've... Do you... Are you prepared to be established and productive? That's the most important thing, is that we are established and we are productive. Are you prepared, I asked you last week, to uh, restore the breaches in your life? Prepare to restore the broken places in your life? All of us have some things that have been in our lives that have caused us to be broken, caused breaches in our families amongst each other or whatever it is. Are you prepared to be restored in those areas? See, a lot of times people say they're, they're, they're ready to be restored, but they're not. We're people that need to be established, and we should have principled homes. We should, we're building, God's Word is made up of principles, and we should have principled homes, amen? And we want to make sure that we have principled homes so that our children and our children's children can have generational success. And they have that when we have a principled home, when we are staying with Christ. Not when we're in and out and up and down and back and forth and jumping around and all over the place and saying you love God. Let me tell you, if you're saved, act saved. If you're not, you're not. There's no in-between. Amen. I told you the intentions of this series is to keep us focused. We need to stay focused. We have to stay focused so that we can believe God's Word. Amen. And we have to stay focused so that we can see what God is doing. You. Let me tell you, when you are focused, you can't even see what God is doing. You don't even know what God is doing. Amen. And then I told you I wanted us to focus on the work that we was doing before this pandemic, the work we're doing while it's uh, the pandemic, and the work that still needs to be done. When you stay focused, God will give it to you even before it's time to bring it to pass. He'll bring it to you so you can be prepared for it. he always go before us and come back. The purpose of this series is to maximize this span of time that we're in, this moment of time, this space of time that we're in. We want to maximize. We want to get the most out of it. We want to go to the full extent and get everything. We want when we leave that we have maximized everything God has given us. We have giving out everything that God, but that's maximizing it, making sure. That's why you don't hold back on different things because you want to maximize every opportunity. And then I told you our goal is simple. Our goal is to prepare us for what comes next and things are coming next i'm telling you if you see every week every week is something different and it's all coming to to a place where what's coming next and god has already told us that something else is coming and that he has a next move so we need to be prepared for that and we need to understand that there will all god is preparing us spiritually he's preparing us naturally and he's also preparing us financially See, this is just—we're not just doing something when it pertains to money. We're God is pre- trying to prepare our hearts financially, so we'll know how to operate. And I told you that life is a succession of just nexus. You're gonna have next this, next that. That's just what it is. Amen. And then our objective was to answer the question: Am I prepared? And then we start dealing with am I awake we start looking at what does it mean to be awake you and i told you you can't be prepared to do anything if you're not awake you can't be prepared if you're not awake and you can be awake with your i mean you can be asleep with your eyes wide open amen then we ask, the question we ask, are you prepared to make the commitment God is always you know what God always comes back to us with the commitment part. Are you can are you prepared to be make the commitment? See when God gives you an assignment, you got to be committed to it. And then we said, "Well, you are you prepared to obey?" See, if you committed, then you have to obey. You can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm committed and don't do it. you got to obey. Amen. Then we ask, are you prepared to set things in order? Everybody's not, let me tell you, even though things are out of order, everybody's not prepared to set things in order. We also ask the question, are you prepared for the challenge? Listen, you're gonna always have challenges in life. So you gotta be prepared for them. If you got one and you just finished one, guess what? Another one's coming. There's gonna always be challenges. Amen. And then we ask the question, are you prepared to establish the will of God? And we went to Matthew and we dug that out and we unpacked that. And, beloved, you already know those things. We're not going to go back through those. Amen. Then I told you during this span of time, it is essential that we be awake. It's essential. It's a must that we be awake. And I'm telling you, the way you be awake, you gotta be listening to the Word every week. You gotta be praying. You gotta be studying. You gotta go to, through the Scriptures. You gotta read the Word. You gotta do all those things. You gotta stay out of bondage. Stay out of foolishness. Those are different things that will make you prepared. Amen? And so, we said, uh, that awake means that you are alert. That you are aware. That you are able. That's what that's what being awake is. Are you alert? Are you aware? Are you able to do with God? Because then you're on the ball. You're you're quick. You're like okay. I, you know, I hear what He's saying, and I'm moving. God will put situations, allow situations to come up. And God said, move, and it's time to move. I'm alert. I see it. My finger's on the pulse of God. I'm alert to what He's doing. I'm alert to what He's saying to me. I'm aware of what He's saying. I don't let it get past me and say, Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, you know what? I didn't know that was God speaking to me. You, you know what? You don't want to do it too late. You want to be right on point. Amen? And then we said when you're awake, you're able to respond. Able. Able. You're able to respond to the correction of God. Now that's where God's people fall off. Right there. Nobody wants to be corrected by God. If you're corrected by God, it's the person that's correcting you. But I want to know, how do you think you're going to be corrected? Do you think God is going to get off off, off the throne and come down here and correct you? He's going to correct you through His representatives. Now, you're going to take it as the individual, but it, but that's your immaturity. God, you've got to respond and be able to respond to the correction of God. That, let me tell you, that... In and of itself, you ought to get joy when he corrects you. Because that lets you know you're his. It lets you know you're his. Amen. When When I'm able, I respond in the time that I am needed. I respond. See, I don't run away in the time that I need it. I respond. I mean, when God needs me. I'm there I, I'm not waiting till to, too late you know uh, I'm not doing my own thing and then now God I'm ready mm, no no that's not how God operates you did everything you wanted to do and do all the stuff now, now, now I now have time for you God you'll find out God has given your assignment to another Because nothing is going to stop the move of God, and God has probably told you that when you would not listen to Him. Again, you have to be able to respond. That lets you know you're prepared when you need it. Amen. And then. I said when you are awake, again, you are aware, aware of everything that God is doing, aware of everything around you, aware of circumstances, situation. you're just aware. Amen. Aware of the will of God. Now, see, most people, they don't even know the will of God. They don't know what the will of God is for them. You have to be awake to that. you got to be like, okay, I'm aware that God's will is this. His will is in His Word. You don't have to ask anybody what God's will is for your life. It's in His Word. It's always in His Word. You can always find the will of God right there. And then we said you have to be aware of the seriousness of the moment. Oh, these are serious times. Be aware of that. You have to also be aware of your role. Everybody has a role. You need to be aware of that. Amen. And sometimes, church, we can forget our roles. And so you have to be aware. Then we also have to be aware of my assignment. When God has placed you in a ministry, He gives you an assignment. And you have to be aware of of That assignment, if God has given you an assignment, let me tell you you don't have to come let me the the Lord will also talk to your pastor and, be, and, and 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 let me tell you it will not be a surprise to her or him it won't be it won't be a surprise at all. it will be okay God they're aware of that now see a lot of times people want the pastor to tell them, but the pastor don't have that kind of authority. To tell you. But if you have that, then tell me. And let me tell you. And if, if, if you come and say that, and you know, that you know God's given me this assignment, it'll, the, the pastor will agree or know what you're talking about or saying, you know, that agree. And if you come with some foolishness, like, nope, God haven't told me any of that. And he be like, well, I'm leaving because, you know, they're not letting me do what you want to. Well, be aware that you're well able to do that. But we're gonna move by the Spirit of God here in this ministry, amen. Then you have to be aware of your own limitations. And we gotta make sure that our limitations doesn't hinder our assignment. Then when you're awake, you're aware of spiritual climate, what climate that you're in. You need to look around at things that are happening in the natural. It'll let you know the spiritual climate of things that are going on and things that you should be aware of, things you should be praying about, things that you should be up on. Amen? And then when you are awake, you can stay focused. When you're aware and awake, you can stay focused. And I'm telling you the importance of staying focused. Oh, if if every just think if everybody was focused in the church. Hmm. We're not going to even go there. When I'm awake, I'm alert. I'm alert. I have to realize that temptation is present when God needs me the most. It's not pre- it's not, not present. Oh, well, God's telling me to do that. Now I can just speak. No, nope. temptation is going to be worse then, always. It's always worse when God needs you the most. Amen. And then when I'm alert... I, I'm alert to the weakness of my flesh. Don't give your flesh an inch. It'll take a mile. Don't, it'll take a yard. It'll take anything but that inch. Don't give your flesh. Be aware of your weaknesses in your flesh, and your flesh is weak. Amen. And then I said to be alert, we need to be alert of the subtlety of sin. It's not going to be something obvious all the time. We know what the obvious sins are, but sometimes it's not the obvious. And being able, able to understand those things and, and being able to operate in the principles of God to get you where you need to be. Now, if you have all that, go with me to 1 Samuel and we'll start the new information. I just wanted to kind of touch on some of the things that we were talking about. Go to Samuel chapter 17. And if you will subtitle this message Is my heart prepared? Is my heart prepared? And before you can say I know my heart is prepared because I you know I have good good hearing, I hear it, you know, listen, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, just 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 hang in there with us though. Amen? Now, this is why why I want to deal with, are you prepared? Is your heart prepared? Write this down, because this is very important. (sighs) Having a good heart does not make you prepared. Having a good heart will not make you prepared. And this morning it's not about whether you have a good heart or an evil heart. This morning it's about whether you have a heart for God. Whether you have a heart for God. Are you with me? Again, you can have a good heart and your heart still not be ready. You can have a good heart and your heart still not be ready. You can have a heart that loves God. And still not have a heart that's ready. So, if I'm gonna be prepared to deal with the adversities and face the challenges of the day uh, that's going on in our country and our lives and restore the breaches in our lives, to establish the life that I, that uh, a principal life, my heart has to be ready and prepared. Your heart has to be ready. If I'm going to prepare to do things that have been taught in this ministry, that you've been learning this year, your heart has to be prepared. Just because, again, you desire something, that doesn't mean that your heart is prepared. That's what I was uh, talking to my, my youngest son, different things that I'm just talking to him about. Just because a person have a heart to do it, and you know, like, yes, you know, you know, I have a, it doesn't mean that they're prepared to. I want you to understand that. It has nothing to do with the person, them of itself. They might have a good heart, but they're not prepared to. There's preparation involved. Those are two different kind of people. Listen, people want money, but everybody's not prepared for it. See, it's, it's different. It's, it's different to have a heart prepared for it. You can want a lot of things. People want money. It doesn't mean that their heart is prepared for it. People want a good job. And I've seen people get good jobs, their dream jobs, only to quit or get arrogant in it. And mess it off. Why? Because even though you desire it, it doesn't mean that your heart is ready for it. It just, doesn't, it just doesn't mean the same. Because, see, when we see people with a good heart, we think they're ready for anything. No! They have to be prepared still. A good heart doesn't justify what God... A good heart, that's good intentions, but it won't get the job done. Amen, let me make this a little more practical. I have seen people in this ministry and just people in general. I'm just uh, again, making reference to having your heart prepared, wanting something, and having your heart prepared, making it practical. I've seen men and women in this ministry and other people that I've met, all they want is all I if I can just get married. If I could just get married, if I could just have some children, if I could have a husband or a wife and have a family and children, I'll be that, that, that's what I need. If I could just get a husband and some children, if I could just get a wife, children, oh, that's my dream. Oh, that's my dream. And, you know, I, and I just want it because I don't want to be alone. So if I just want that, I want to have somebody. I want somebody in my life. And then they get the husband. And then they get the wife. And they get the children. But what they don't realize is just because you desired it didn't mean that you had a heart ready for it. Listen good. Just because you desired it doesn't mean you have a heart ready for it. Let me show you how. I'm going to show you where you. I can show you why your heart wasn't ready for it. Now you have it. and And, and I'm just giving, this is just one example. I'm being practical here. But this is across the board. Now you have it. If you've ever said this, your heart weren't prepared. You have it. You start saying, I just need a break. Oh, I just need a break for my husband and these children. Just, I just need a break. The guy or the girl go to their parents' house. I just, I, You know what? I just stopped by here before I went home. Just need a little break. Ooh. And yeah, this has nothing to do with your love form. I'm trying to show you... That your heart wasn't ready. Oh, those children wearing me out. And oh, the wife. Oh, that's a whole other story. But I ain't even getting that with you. Oh, my husband. Oh, Lord. All he want to work. Or he's not work. Or he's lazy. And these children, uh, they're both talking at the same time. And, three, and I'm saying both because, see, I got two grandchildren to live with me. So I'm just saying both. So nobody won't get all offended about, you know... No. I don't care if you have one. You're going to get it. And now you have all of that going on. And what you're saying is, they're wearing me out. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling down. I can't do what I used to do. I can't do. Now Now your heart wasn't ready for it, even though you desired it. too much see be careful because desiring something and having a heart for it is two different things did you hear me (laughs) it's two different things and you're in it now that's that's just again that's just one illustration that i gave I mean, this goes for your job, anything. You say you love a job and you want that job and want that job and get it and just mess it off. Because your heart wasn't ready for it. I don't feel like getting up this morning. (laughs) Listen, two different things. There are things that can cause your heart to fail. So your heart has to be prepared. See, fear can cause your heart to fail. Fear. It causes your heart to fail. Discouragement can cause your heart to fail. You can feel like you're ready. But when fear kicks in or discouragement kicks in, it causes your heart to fail. You know, perceived opposition causes your heart to fail. Perceived opposition. You just start perceiving that somebody or something is not on your side. All of a sudden, you're like, well, I don't know. It can cause your heart to fail. The size of your responsibility or your challenge, whatever may lay before you, in front of you, it can cause your heart to fail fear. When I talk about your heart, I'm talking about being prepared on the inside. I'm not talking about that muscle in your body. I'm talking about being prepared on the inside. See, so you can look, listen, and I, I, I've seen this. You can look prepared and still not be ready on the inside. Oh, they looking good. They looking like they really up to it. Oh, they looking like you can look like it, but not be ready on the inside. In other words, you can get up. <laughs> You can put on your tennis shoes. You can, let's just say you were a basketball player. You can get up, put on your tennis shoes, put on your jersey, put on your shorts, put on everything. Let's say you was on a team and everybody get up, they put on, they put on everything. Everybody's in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got all of their stuff on. They look prepared and they come out and see the opposition and they look a little bigger. They look a little stronger. Now you look like you're ready because you got on all of the garb to make you look ready. But you see the opposition and you see that team, they got bigger men on it and they start dribbling the ball and, and they faster than me and they running in. And, we saw, and all of a sudden the whole team looked like their heart failed, fear. Because they looked like they were ready, but their heart failed them because inside they weren't ready. That's an illustration. See, you, 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 uh, you can think that you're ready until you face some opposition, until you face something and your heart fails. It will show you were never ready inside. Listen, in First Samuel, let me tell you what's happening here before we read it. We'll read it after this. Here we have the children of Israel. They were facing the army of the Philistines. We all know the story. And the Philistine had the mighty warrior. And the mighty warrior's name was Goliath. And he was on the other side of the field. And we have the Israelites on one side. And he's a stronger mighty. He's a giant. Powerful. He was larger and bigger in stature than all the other men. Are you with me? So everybody that came along, you know, he, you know, he was bigger. And here along comes a young boy, David. And David's not coming to, to, to fight Goliath. David's running an errand. He's bringing supplies for his big brothers. And he comes upon them and he sees that this giant and all of the army behind him just railing accusations of the children of God and talking stuff and here comes little ruddy David with his pack and his stuff and his supplies for his big brother and when he got there he found them doing all of that and he's looking around and he's thinking what's going on he looked at the soldiers that were for battle the ones that he was coming with his brother he's looking at that And now they look like they're ready. They got all the garb on. They got everything. But on the inside, they were failing. They were failing. And when he got there, he found the army of Israel nervous, trembling, scared, fear. They were dressed like soldiers and looked like soldiers, but was in fear. So David began to inquire. What's going on here? What's happening here? Because I'm coming up here to bring dealing. What's going on? The whole armies began to tell him that there's a champion over there. In other words, they were already decided. When they said there's a champion over there, they've already decided they're not champions. They're over there. And all of them were afraid to go against Goliath. Not because everyone was afraid so much of of going on. They, because they had a whole group. Everybody could have ran up on them. They was they was afraid as a whole. Listen. And so David is walking around. He's looking, and everybody's afraid. So here's the king. He gives a decree. He said, anybody that'll go up against this giant, go up against him. He said, I'll give you houses. I'll give you. I'll give you my daughter to wife. I'll give you my daughter to wife. I'll make you wealthy. I'll sit you in a high seat. I'll do all that. I'll give you everything. Basically, he was telling him, I'll give you anything that you want. Anything you can think of. That you could want if you go against Goliath. And in spite of that decree, nobody stood up. They was like, they wanted it, but they was like, ugh, they were not willing to take a chance. So David said, I don't understand. Now remember, he's a boy over these men. He said, I don't understand why nobody want to stand up. I don't, I don't understand why nobody want to go up against this circumcised Philistine this uncircumcised Philistine that's coming against the Lord. Why don't anybody want to go up against him? And while he was complaining about that, David, and he said, nobody's willing. Y'all are allowing him to make a mockery of you and the Lord God of Israel? When they started, and when they heard that from David, then they started mocking David. Get on out of here. You ain't nothing but a boy. Drop those supplies out and get on out of here. Go on, on back and be a shepherd, what you've been doing. You don't know nothing about this. You, you get on back over there to the farm. And I like, you know, I like him being the little boy. This, You know, this ain't even about you. I don't even know why we're answering you. Get on out of here. And we'll pick it up at verse 29. And David said, What have I done? Is there not a cause? He went from one soldier to another. He Look at verse 30. And he turned from him to a, towards another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. So he's asking them, what have I done? Is it not a cause? And they say, get on out of here. And he's like, "But and did he go to somebody else? What's going on? What have I done? Is there not a cause? What's going on? What's going on? But we need to address this. We need to address that this uncircumcised Philistine is made. And he's a boy. They're men. Look at verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's hearts fail them because of him. Thy servant will go and fight. With this Philistine. He said, en- enough. Don't let anybody else's heart fail them. Don't let them be afraid. Because of this challenge. Because it it's a challenge. It looks like a challenge to them. Don't let them be afraid. I will go and fight the battle. And see, that's what God is looking for in this ministry and looking for among his people. Somebody who would have the attitude of David. See, everybody else was armed for battle. They were armed for battle. Externally, they were armed. But all of them was externally armed for battle, but David. He was the only person that was prepared on the inside. They were prepared on the outside. They weren't prepared on the inside. God is looking for people that are internally prepared. Not just looking prepared. So we're going to go right here. Let's start with our first point. My heart is prepared when I am strong and courageous. Not every one of us is ready to be strong and courageous. See, there are some giants that, are, that some of you are dealing with right now. Some of us are dealing with giants in our lives right now. And not everybody. When we face the giants that we face, we have to be strong and courageous. David said, is there not a cause? Now, all of them that was armed up, they knew it was a cause. They knew the cause. That's why they were there. What he was saying is, where is your strength? Where is your strength? Where's your courage in this time? Where's all you got all of that on? Listen, if you're going to restore the breaches in your home, if you're going to be established and have a principled home, if you're going to be prepared to deal with the adversities and challenges, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. You've got to have courage. You're going to have to be strong. Some of you don't even know the ones that's coming your way. And it's time to get strong now. It's time to lift your spiritual weights now. So when it's come, you will be strong and courageous. Cuz it's coming. If you're going to stop the deterioration in your homes and what's happening in your families, you going it's going to require strong and courageous. That's what it's going to require. And David was strong, and he was courageous. God challenged Joshua, and he was strong. He told Joshua, if you're going to do what you go in there and do what you need to do. Joshua was there. If you're going to be ready, go in there, and you have to be strong and courageous. Do what you're going to do. Do what I told you to do. Just do it. See, we got overthinkers. You'll think yourself right out of God. You'll scare yourself into fear and your heart's going to fail you. Paul understood it. Paul said, I am willing to suffer even unto death. That's called strong and courageous. And he challenged Timothy the same way he had told him, be strong, be courageous. You're going to have some challenges. You're going to have some challenges just because you're young. I'm going to have some challenges just because I'm a woman. My son will have challenges just because he's young. Jesus, to finish his assignment and redeem us, he was strong and courageous. He had to say, Nevertheless, thy will, not my will, but thy will be done. See, that's strong and courageous. It's not about me. Now, watch this. Everybody is not ready to be strong and courageous. But here's the good news everybody can be. That's the good news. Everybody's not, but everybody can be. But you got to get yourself prepared. Listen, life is not for the weak. Life is not for the weak. If you want to be successful in any area in life, you have to get yourself to be prepared to be strong and be prepared to be courageous. You have to prepare yourself on the inside. I'm not talking about looking like it. Listen, the thing that God is calling us to do, <laughs> it's not for the weak. As a matter of fact, what did God tell us? He said he was going to strengthen us by who he removes and who he sends. Sometimes he gotta get the weak out the way. Don't be surprised. I won't. I'm gonna trust God in what he says. You gotta what God has called us to do. What's coming up, what God is calling us to do, it's not for the weak. It's for those who are willing to be strong, those who are willing to be courageous. Do you think you're going to be able to restore your family without some strength and courage? You won't. You have to have the strength and courage. That means you got to have to put your foot down when it needs to be put down. you got to say what you need to say. you got to be strong in the midst of it. you got to say it whether they want to hear it or not. That's strong and courageous. You don't bend it for them. You don't compromise it for them. That's courageous because that's when God's going to be on your side. Not when you compromise. Do you think the breaches in your life and some of them that have been in your family from generation to generation, do you think they're just going to dissolve without you being strong and courageous? No, they will not. You have to be strong and courageous. Do you really, really think that you'll be able to take a stand in these evil times? Without being strong and courageous. Do you think, you all that are in college, do you think that you're going to go and just do, and you're going to be strong? No, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. In any, every area, when you go on the job, you've got to be strong and courageous. Do you really think that you're going to have a spiritual, financial, and natural plan for your life, and it's not going to require strength and courage? It will. It will. It's going to require for you to have a good financial plan, a good uh, stable home, uh, a strong um, natural plan for whatever you're going to do. It's going to take strength and courage for you to execute it. It's not going to just execute on its own. Do you really believe that you're going to be able to stop the deterioration in your family that have been there, do you really think that you will without demonstrating strength and courage? You won't. And you have to be prepared again on the inside. I'm not talking about outside stuff. Aging is not for the weak, but for the strong. I see it every day in myself. aging is for the strong. Because guess what? You have to demonstrate strength and courage to grow and be mature. You have to be prepared for that. Do you think you can stay married without strength and courage? Do you think you can bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord without strength and courage? See, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. I'm raising my children. Oh, you, you're not doing it in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because you don't have the strength and the courage for it. Listen, the good news is if you have, if you don't have it on the inside, listen, it's available to all of us. That's the good news. It's available. Now here's the key, here's the key. Knowledge makes you strong and courageous. Knowledge will make you strong and give you courage. I'll say it again, knowledge will make you strong and give you courage. Ignorance causes you to, your heart to fail. Knowledge makes you strong and courageous, ignorance causes your heart to fail. Now listen, get this. Knowledge only makes you strong and courageous if you accept what you know. See, it's not just getting it, you've got to accept it. Why is it that David had courage to face this giant? And the people who were trained to go and fight didn't. It is because David accepted And he knew some things that he had been taught. He knew some things that he had gone through. And he accepted what he knew as knowledge. And that gave him courage. Because see, he had been spending some time with God. And he knew and he accepted that. So, So that leaves you to say, well, what were they into? Because that's the only reason why he was strong in correction. He knew the knowledge and he accepted it. His brothers that was up there didn't accept it. They didn't accept. they didn't accept what they knew as truth. And they would talk just like David. They didn't accept it as truth. And their hearts failed them as a result. Make a note of this. My heart is ready when I know who I am. I have to know who I am. That's what gives you strength and courage. When you know who you are. Not only because of who you are, but I accept who I am. See, I do not only know who I am, I accept who I am. I accept that I'm a believer. I'm ex- I accept that I'm called by God. I accept that. David knew who he, who he was. He knew he was a child of God. He knew that he had the favor of God. And he knew... He was a member of the tribe of Israel. See, he knew who he was. Ask yourself, do you know who you are? He knew, David knew, that Israel was a central plan of God for the redemption of men, And that knowledge and that acceptance of that knowledge gave him strength and gave him courage. See, he knew that. It gave him strength and it gave him courage. Joshua, he knew who he was. He knew what God wanted to do through him with the children of Israel. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now I'm going to do something through you. And it gave him strength to run around the wall. and Courage. When Paul was trying to encourage Timothy, he said, Timothy, I know your mother. I know your grandmother. In other words, he was saying, I know who you came from. And I know you know that God have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. He accepted that. See, it's not enough to just know it. you got to accept it. Church, for those of you that are hoping to start, those of you, because, you know, they're trying to open up everything in the fall, all the school. You're about to go back to school, go back to college, you know, or whatever. A lot of you are doing it at home, but in in, in the fall you're probably going, actually going to school. Those of you that are hoping to get back into the new normal, because <laughs> that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be like, that. oh, stop saying that. The new normal, hoping to do all these things. When you get back to those places, listen clearly, you have to make sure you know who you are. Strength and courage come from the knowledge of who you are. It'll keep you clean. It'll keep you focused. It'll keep you right. It'll keep you with a good GPA. Just to know who you are. Let me tell you, where you are right now, if your GPA is not right where it wants to, find out who you are. I guarantee you, right, because when you know who you are, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. It ain't, don't don't, don't come up with that. I, I'm going to do this or I'll do that and my grades are not so good. It's, I'm going to tell you why your grades is not good. It's only because you don't know who you are. Find out who you are. I guarantee you they'll come out. And you'll testify about them. Just find out who you are. Stop trying to be something else other than who you are. When you know who you are, it makes you strong and it makes you courageous on the inside. You become courageous in who you are. Listen to this. And this needs to be a staple. Here at Church of the Living Water, we're going to start saying this because it needs to be a staple. When you know who you are, everything changes. That's what we have to say with each other, to each other. When, uh, when they, you know. And let me tell you, it's nothing wrong with having struggles in your life. You need to talk to somebody. But when you know who you are, things change. Everything changes. The knowledge of who you are is is a powerful thing. But you got to accept who you are as well. You can't just know it, you got to accept it. You know early in life when I accepted that I was a believer and that I needed to be what God created me to be, it amazes me now to think about it. That's what gave me strength and boldness and courage after I accepted it. People say, I can't do that. I don't know. No, you have to accept who you are. Not just a child of God. Now, I accept that. Not just saying I'm a child of God. I accept that. That gave me strength and courage. It gave me strength and courage to be righteous. When I say that, I'm, I'm saying it this way. It gave me the strength and the courage that I wasn't overwhelmed. It wasn't an overwhelming task to be righteous. See, it's an overwhelming task to try to be righteous when you don't really know who you are, and you're not re- I'm a believer, but I don't quite know. see, you haven't accepted it. So it's a task to be righteous. But once you come into the acceptance of who you are, you'll find out it won't be so overwhelming. This is what God created me to be. But watch this. My heart is prepared when I know who I serve. When I know who I serve. In other words, when I know that the fight is the Lord's. I know the fight is the Lord's fight and it's the Lord's will. And I'm doing His will. And the work that I'm working is His work. See, you got to acknowledge it's His work. I am what? Serving Him. See, I, see, it's no such thing. And I want you all to get. Let me tell you, some of you have your ch- have children that's on their way to hell, and you're sitting there doing nothing because you don't have to know who you are. But listen, let me tell you something. Please, you need to write this down. You can't just say I serve the Lord and don't serve Him. No, I know God. I'm saved. You don't no Saved people don't practice that. Saved people don't... Do, no, no, no. If you serve the Lord, then serve Him. You can't say I'm I'm saved and don't act saved. When I say you can't say you serve the Lord and don't serve Him, I'm saying the same thing. You can't say... And let me tell you, you're going to put them in the grave and you're going to say they're going to hell. I know they were born again. And they lived a sinful life, practice sin daily. No, I'm not saying everybody's perfect, but I'm going to tell you, those who know who they are, And have accepted it, don't practice sin. They don't practice it. They don't plan to do it every day. They don't just execute, no. I didn't say they may, they may fall, but they know how to get back up and get on track. But practicing sin, when I was a sinner, I practiced sin. I went to work with attitudes Practice. I planned on it before I, went, where, I, before I would go to work. I'm going in. I ain't talking to nobody today. I don't want nobody talking to me today. I'm going in with an attitude. I'm going... Are you practicing? But when I know who I'm serving, I'm actually serving Him. David knew. David said, Wait a minute. We're serving... Of The great and mighty God, a living God, the living God, the almighty God. And this guy over here talking that crap is not serving the living God. We're serving the living God. How are we listening to that? And because David was serving God, it gave him strength. When you serve God, He gives you strength and courage to stand. When you don't, you're weak and you're like, I don't know if we should. I don't know how you, that's what you're going to do because I don't serve Him. I serve Him in name only. But David, see a lot of them, all of these, all of these, they were supposed to be following Jehovah. That, that, they were the army of the Lord. But David was the only one had something on the inside. You, when you know who you serve, you got strength and you got courage. Church, my heart is prepared when I know what I am fighting for. You do you know what you're fighting for? I love it. That's why David said in 29, "What have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there? In other words, is there? It's nothing that we're fighting for. Is it something?" Is there something not worth fighting for? Is there a cause? We have to ask ourselves, is there a generation that's worth fighting for? Is there not a family name that's worth fighting for? Is there not a household that's worth fighting for? Is there not cousins, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, relatives, greats, great, 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 Great-grands, isn't all of those worth fighting for? Those in your circle, is it not a cause? Is it something worth fighting for? Let me tell you why the soldiers had fear. Because they, were, they thought they were fighting for themselves. See, when you don't know what you're fighting for, you th- see, you think you're fighting for the church. You think you're standing for this. You think I'm going to do this. No, no, no. Your commitment is to God. They could, they, they lost it because they thought they were fighting for themselves. What gives you strength and courage is when you realize that I'm not fighting for myself. I'm fighting for the Lord. And I'm fighting for the benefit of somebody else. I'm fighting the good fight of faith to stay in this, to walk righteous, so somebody can call upon uh, you know because you, know, you know we don't have to fight the devil. He's been defeated. But we got to fight to stay in the faith so that others can call upon God, that others can see our walk. where we can minister to them. We fight because temptation is gonna come from every side, but we have to stay and fight the good fight of faith. And I know I'm fighting it for the Lord, because I'm a representative of His. See, nobody will lay down their lives for themselves, but everybody, when they understand, listen, everybody, when they understand that they they understand who they are and who they're fighting for, they're willing to lay down their life for somebody else. When they understand that. See, when you don't understand it. You're not willing to do any of that. Fear is personal loss. Ooh, that's good. So you, fear is personal loss. Courage is sacrifice so that somebody else don't have to suffer loss. I'll say fear is a personal loss. Courage is sacrifice. So that somebody else don't have to suffer a loss. Whenever you start worrying about what you're going to lose personally, that's when fear comes in. There go the personal loss. That's when fear come in. And that's when your heart starts to fail and you don't even see it. What am I going to lose in it? When you start to worry about how something is going to affect you, how people are going to think about you, who cares? What's going to happen to me? What opportunities am I missing? That's when your heart starts to fail. That's when your heart starts to fail. When you start to worry about how something is going to affect you. mm But when you realize I'm not fighting for myself, I'm not fighting for me, I'm fighting for the will of God, I'm fighting for my children, I'm fighting for my household, I'm fighting for future generations, I'm fighting for future generations so that they can build on a good foundation stop having to try to build something I don't want our generation to try to build on uh, our quicksand life where we just didn't do nothing we were just always talking about it but never any fruit in our life quicksand life nobody can build on that when I realize that I'm fighting for somebody else then strength and courage rises up on the inside showing you how to prepare your heart When my heart is prepared, when I know what I'm fighting with. Mm, That's different. When I know what I'm fighting with. In other words, when I know what is on the inside. When I know I have the Spirit of the Lord on the inside. When I know that I have the Word of God. When I know that I'm fighting with my Heavenly Father. You always win. See, I gotta know. I gotta accept that and know that. When I know that the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, <laughs> that's hard for believers to get past. When I know the weapons of my warfare, warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's knowing what you're fighting with. See, I'm not fighting as though I'm beating the air. I'm not fighting with you because, let me tell you, I'll look past you. Because my weapons are not carnal. i got to look past you. When you know what you're fighting with. When you know on the inside that God is my helper. You know what you're fighting with. When you know that he'll empower you and strengthen you, it gives you strength. It gives you courage. Church, my heart is prepared when I'm strong and when I am courageous. Point number two, my heart is prepared when I make the tough decisions. I have to learn to make tough decisions. You can make tough decisions. Now listen. If you don't have strength and courage, you will not make tough decisions. You will not. If you are not strong and have courage, you will not make tough decisions. See, the tough decision was to, listen, the tough decision was to go out and and fight Goliath. That was a tough decision. But the army had no strength, no courage. And they could not make that tough decision. They would not go out. They could not make the tough decision. Why? They were not, their heart was not prepared. But because David had knowledge hmm, of who he was, I love that. That gave him strength, it gave him courage. He was able to make a tough decision. When you know who you are, you can make the tough decisions, I'm telling you. In church, I understand it. I know it. I get it. Not everyone is ready to make tough decisions. Everyone's not ready for that. You know why they're not ready to make a tough decision? Because it's a tough decision. That's why they can't make it. It's a tough decision. Can't make it. It's amazing. You see, people, they'll say things like, and I've heard people say things like, Oof, I'm glad I'm not pastor. Oof, she's got a lot of tough decisions to make. I'm glad I'm not, Ugh, I'm glad I'm not in her shoes. When I found him pastor transition, that's what people were saying. Oof. God, oh, I don't know how she's going to make the tough decision. Oh, I'm glad I'm not in her shoes. And what they were actually saying is this. I don't have on the inside of me that's what's necessary to make those kind of tough decisions. That's all you were saying. You don't have what's on the inside of you to make the tough decision. Glad I'm not pastor. But here's the thing. How do you think that you're going to live life without making tough decisions? You're going to. Let me tell you, if you haven't, just wait. You're going to have to make, you're to have to make tough decisions. Do you think you're going to live your life without making tough decisions? See, instead of saying, I'm glad I'm not pastor, what you need to be saying is, I need to be like my pastor. So when my tough decision-making process comes, I can make the tough decisions. Because I'm going to tell you now, you're not going to make it through life without having to make some tough decisions. Listen, when you don't want to make tough decisions because they are difficult and you're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of what might happen or what the negative outcome could be. But do you, but do you know that success in life is dependent upon you with the ability to make tough decisions? It's dependent on it. How you make the tough decision. And listen. You know what a tough decision is? It's easy to make. A tough decision is a righteous decision. It's a righteous decision. That's what a tough decision... I have to make a tough decision. Well, make sure it's righteous. Then you know it's... I made the right one. It's a righteous decision. If you're saying... Hey, you know I, I'm 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 not ready to make tough decisions. It also means that you're not ready to make righteous decisions. That's all that means. If you're not ready to make tough decisions, you're not ready to make righteous decisions. Because see the, it, let me tell you, the decision to stay in sin is easy. It's not tough. It's easy. That's an easy decision. Just stay in sin. The tough decision is to be righteous. The easy decision is to lie. The tough decision is to tell the truth. The easy decision is to walk away from difficult things. The tough decision is to say, I'm not walking away. The easy decision is to leave your family. The tough decision is to stay with your family. The easy decision is to write your children off. (laughs) They did that, I'm writing them off. The tough decision is to get back in there and, and keep fighting for your children. The easy decision is to make mistakes and never own up to them. That's easy to do. Blame somebody else. I always listen to that to see, see who you're blaming. That's an easy decision. Blame, uh, you know, never owning up to it. Just blame somebody else. The easy decision is to blame somebody else or to, to not own up to it and, you know... And go on like nothing ever happened. The tough decision is to go and clean up that mess that you made. Like, no, I'm going to get this right. And you know what? You You need to do that without somebody telling you to do it. That's a tough decision. I'm doing it because this is what I know is right to do. See, it's easy to poop. Everybody poop. The tough part is cleaning it up. Yeah, I said poop. The tough part is cleaning it up. Everybody and anybody can poop, but everybody's not trying to get no wipey to get it up. Mm Mm-mm. That's a tough decision. Oh, no. Oh, no. The tough decision is the decision that leads to life. That's why the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 30, 30 I set before you, life and blessings, death and cursings. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed can live. Tough decision. Leads to life. Listen, if life was an easy decision, everybody would be making it. But they don't. But we can see based on our environment that we live in, we have to make tough decisions. People don't even want to choose natural life. They have a disregard for even natural life. The doctors, when the pandemic first came, the doctors just told them plain and simple. Now, he said, now, they said, now, people, put on a mask, wash your hands. And people started protesting. They's like, no. They were protesting in the streets. Some still are. I'm not putting on no mask. That was a tough choice for them. A tough decision. They were saying, I'd rather be sick and die than to make a decision that would protect me or somebody else. I'd rather live I'd rather just get sick and die. That was a tough decision. I'm not I no. Let's protest. It was a tough decision. See, listen, just because you want life, it does not mean that you're going to choose it. Just because you want it. Just because you want life, don't mean you're going to choose life. Did you get that? Just because you want righteousness, doesn't mean you're going to choose it. Just because you want the favor of God doesn't mean you're going to make the right decision. Just because you want your home, your family to be right doesn't mean that you're going to make the right decisions. Just wanting to do it, it takes more than that. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. And few go in there. And wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many go that way. <laughs> in other words, there are few people who are willing to make the tough decisions. That's all they're saying. To end up in the narrow place of righteousness. He said, only few find that. Hmm. Tough decision. Which way should I go? Oh, narrow. Mm mm. Mm-mm. Everybody's doing it over here. Everybody's doing that. What people want to do, they want to choose the broad way. And then when they choose the broad way, they ridicule those that choose the narrow way. They like, uh uh-uh. uh. Those that choose the narrow way and gotten ahead of them, now they're ridiculing them. They, all they did was make the right, tough decision. Young people, listen up. Don't think you're missing out on nothing. Let me tell you, you're missing out on the wrong decision. (laughs) That's all that's out there for you, is the wrong decision. My heart is prepared, letter A, when I'm not moved by the opinion of others. I like the way I found, and pastor would say, opinion is like a nose. Everybody have one. Why pay attention to it? Everybody has an opinion. All of them, everybody had an opinion about David. His brothers thought he was incapable, thought he was disobedient, thought he was young, thought he was a smart, smart-mouthed young thing coming up here talking stuff to us is there a cause. Thought he was sticking his nose where it didn't belong. Get on from up here. You already done dropped the goods side. Get on out of here. You don't belong here. Saul thought he was undersized because he was a boy. We're talking about big men that's been trained to fight. Here comes little David. Saul thinking he's undersized, equipped, and young. That's where people miss it. If you keep reason, reading, First Samuel—I'm not going to go and read it—but First Samuel 17 on into 18, Goliath laughed him to scorn. Ha! <laughs> this little kid—you got to be kidding me! Running up on me—you got to be kidding me! Actually, Goliath thought it was an embarrassment. Somebody that little cook think they go—he go take me. He thought it was embarrassing embarrassment. For, for David to even come down where he was, he was just laughing and saying, now that's an embarrassment. For Israel to send this little boy to think he can defeat me. <laughs> Listen, you will never be able to do what God has called you to do without gendering the opinions of others. Know that. They're going to say Something. They're gonna say something. They're gonna tell you their denominational views of women. They're gonna tell you gonna you gonna. That's just gonna happen. You cannot do the will of God without gendering the opinion of others, and all of their opinions are always unsolicited. I don't need your opinion. But you got to learn not to be moved by the opinion of others. People are going to always assume or try to say that you're not qualified. You're not able. You don't know what you're doing. You're not the person that's supposed to be doing this. And whatever it is, listen, if you're in the will of God, and fighting for his will, then you can't be moved by opinions. Because I'm in the will of God. I'm not moved by the opinion of others. Whatever others people have to say, I'm not moved by it. You have people with opinions, huh, you know. Uh, they'll say what they would do if they were in your shoes. Were they not in your shoes? You are in your shoes. So I don't care what you think you would do if you were in my shoes. I'm in my own shoes. That's what you have to tell them. If God has spoken to your heart, you can't be moved by what people's opinion is of you. Get that out of your head. Listen, everybody... Ha- Everybody in this ministry and out of this ministry that knows me, those of you that are hearing me, that have never met me, you already have an opinion of me. You already do. Everybody have an opinion of what they think. Positively or negatively. Because some might have some positive, but you still have an opinion. Some have negative. You still have an opinion. I like what our pastor would say. There'll be those that cheer you. And there'll be those that jeer you. Don't pay attention to either one. And so I'm going to add to his. So it can go hand in hand. Saying the same thing. Listen to me. You are never as great as the greatest praise you will receive. You are never as as great as the greatest praise that you receive. And you're never as bad as the greatest criticism that you receive. Just learn to disregard both. So if somebody says, Oh, how good you are, you're not that good. If somebody says, Oh Lord, no, that's bad. I'm at you're not that bad. Throw it both, that's opinion. Somebody praise you, disregard it. You're the best at this or that. When people say you're the worst, disregard it. You gotta go back to who God says that you are. That's all who I want to be. Who do God say that I am? That's who I am. See, that's strength, and that's courage. Strength and courage comes from knowing who I am from God's perspective. And then I have to stop being moved by the opinion of others because why I'm only I'm only going by the what from God's perspective of who I am. Listen, to do the will of God, you have to learn to ignore people. You have to learn to ignore people. Listen, my heart is prepared. When let her be, I trust the faithfulness of God. Do you trust the faithfulness of God? Now, here in First Samuel, look at verse 34. Verse 34. And David said, Saul, thy servant, kept his father's sheep. And they, there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And, when I, and And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defiled the armies of the Lord. David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion, and out of the paw of the bear, he had delivered me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And the Lord be with you. Lord, you're about to get killed. See, here we be. go. And the Lord be with you. Here's the thing. Let's make it simple. Let's make it simple. Bring this, this scripture home right here. Let's think about it. let's Let's make 2020, 2021 Goliath in our lives. Just for a minute. Let's back up and realize you were not born this year. You were not born this year. You have been through some things. And if you're not, you'll go through some things. Some of us have been through some lions. And some of us have been through some bears. And God strengthened us to slay the lion that came up in our lives. And the bear. So why are we getting paralyzed by this pandemic? We've had some things. See, I've had a lion in my life before the pandemic. And God slayed it. You out there used to be an alcohol, an alcoholic. And God slayed it. used to be a drug addict out there. And God slayed that bear. See, we want to look at it like it's just them. You used to have no peace. suffer with depression. And God slayed it in your life. That was a lion. And he's been through been with you through every battle, every battle, through every challenge, through every difficulty. Sister Alan, Sister Kelly, he's been with you through every challenge, no matter how, no matter what you thought, no matter what. That was a lion and a bear and he was there. And guess what? To you all and everyone in this room, whatever line and bear that you've gone through, that wasn't the last one. There's always the next. It wasn't the last one. So listen, David, realize. I just, I, I'm telling you, I learned from this little boy in studying this. One thing that David realized, that you kill every predator the same way. Trust in God. You kill every predator the same way. All I'm trying to tell you is that after a while, you ought to realize that you can't overcome everything. No matter what it is. The same way. How? By putting my trust in the Lord and the power of His might. That's how you overcome. That's how you get through grief. That's how you get through pain. That's how you get through every obstacle here. Everything, no matter what, sickness, disease, it's the same way. Every predator, it's a predator. Grief is a predator. Cancer is a predator. You defeat it the same way. Trusted in God and the power of His might. David got to a point where he understood that if God was faithful to me with the lion and the bear, He will be faithful with me through Goliath. God didn't cap His power based on the last challenge. Like, well, that was it. That was the challenge. I ain't got no... He don't have a cap on His mercy, His grace, His power. There's no limitations. So why would you put a cap on it? The same God... That was faithful through little things. Some of you just have been going through little things. He'll be faithful through great things. I can make the right decisions and my heart is ready. Let her see. When I only trust what is proven. When I only trust what is proven. Look at verse 38. And Saul armed David. With arm after he told him, go, go. And Saul armed David with armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. He kind of paused, but he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proven them. And David put them off of him. Mm, mm, mm. In other words, David said, when I killed the lion and I killed the bear, I didn't have these. Go with what's proven. He said, I can't put on all these things because I haven't, I haven't, I haven't taken these things into a fight ever before. These things feel strange to me. They don't feel comfortable. He was thinking to himself, I can only take into battle what I've had in the past, that unseen work that nobody saw. You know, when this pandemic first started, I went to the Lord, and he told me, you won't be struggling through this. As a matter of fact, you'll be better. all because you know who you are. Nothing magical. When you know who you are. So when all these things start happening, when the closing of the buildings came and all of those things, I knew what to do. Listen. This church is built a certain way. And even though it might seem... Like we don't have a plan. Oh, but we do. Oh, but we do. We're going to preach and teach the word. Reformation has been needed in the church as a whole and in this church. It doesn't matter about COVID 19, it doesn't change the plan of God. That's a name. And every name that's named is under the name of God. So it didn't change the plan. Now, it might change the the way we execute the plan. Because we have a new normal. But I'll tell you what, no matter what happens, Come eight forty five every Sunday morning, seven o'clock every Wednesday, somebody will stand in this place, open up this Bible and teach and preach the gospel. Always. This works. It works. The teaching of the word works. It works when it was three of us in a house. It works. It works no matter what the problem is, whatever the situation is, whatever the finances is, whatever it is. The Word of God works. When it seems like it could possibly fail, you just continue to love God. You just continue to hate sin. You push yourself forward and be the church. And God will see us through everything. Because of our hearts are prepared to preach and teach this gospel. We continue to be an example to the body of Christ. We stay connected. We must stay connected. And we must also never forget our motivation is always love. Always love. We allow love to, to cause us to go forward. Destroy the works of the enemy. It causes us to leave a deposit in there for the next generation. It allows us to continue to do that's a tough decision. That's a tough decision. You know, there's many pastors since the pandemic, they kind of throw it up, and they sit in their living room and they just do some of the stuff that they did before, and they just oh they're worried about. You know the bills, and because you know they can no longer, with the pandemic, have their different things to raise money to pay for this and raise money to pay that and all of their different things that they do to raise money. None of that goes on, and so now they're worried, and that's because they don't know who they are and don't know what God has called them to. And there's some pastors you might run across this and you might be listening to this morning to me. And don't be, don't be upset because I'm a female. It possibly you're listening to me because you're not having church. And you're wondering if it's going to, you know, if, 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 if just the bills can be You can't charge for funerals anymore. None of that. All the things that you did, you know, you can't bring the superstar in for a concert. That brought money in. See, all of that is no more business as usual. Hmm. Can't have your programs that you kind of run on the side to pay for your building to look a certain way, but on the inside, dead men bones. Well, here's my advice to you. Go somewhere. Find you a camera. If you have a camera, use the camera. Get back in your office. Start doing the work that God has called you to do. That's all you have to do. Go in your office. Spend some time on your face. And bake some fresh bread from the ingredients of God. And feed the people. And just feed the people. Make that tough decision. The easy decision is to be lazy. The easy decision is just to sit on your couch. The easy decision, oh, we just look, you know, look what's going on and we'll we'll see what's going on. Make a tough decision. It leads to righteousness. And it leads to life. See, you got to work with what's been proven. You got to trust God. That's proven. You got to work with that. You got to put on the whole armor of God. David said, I've not tested this. I haven't tested this armor, but there's something I have tested. He said, I have a slingshot. <laughs> he came to find out. Every predator, the same way I have a slingshot, and I've never missed. Give me some stones. Let me go fight with what has been proven. See, he knew how hard the stones were. They were proven. He knew how to sling them, too. He never missed. He's saying, I, I guarantee you I'm not going to miss because I've had plenty practice, the unseen work. See, to the grown men, they saw a shot on him. He's just a kid playing with one. But he had some private time that nobody see. Church, you have to stick with what got you here. We have to be like Daniel. And the Hebrew boys. We must turn away the king's meat. See, I like them. You don't have to do it their way. Young people, you don't have to try to do it their way. You don't have to look like them. You don't have to do it their way. See, it's not old fashioned to get down on your knees and pray, that's not old fashioned. You know what's going to happen? You get down on your knees and pray. God's going to anoint your mind. (laughs) That Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance all things at the time you need it. See, it's not old-fashioned. Parents, you tell those children, I don't care what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what others are doing. I don't care if your child might be a little slower than another child in class. You tell them you're gifted. You tell them you're gifted. You're exceedingly abundantly above all. You're powerful. You can do it. You can do it all. You tell your children it doesn't matter what others are doing. Just tell them who they are in Christ. God is going to do things exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think in your life. Stick with the diet that God has given you, turn away from the king's meats telling you you can have it some other kind of way. I believe in education, I believe you should get as much as you can. And I love to see my people getting as much as you can, but when you exchange it, the kings meet over the word of God, you're in trouble. Because I'm telling you, degrees won't get you into heaven. I don't care how many you have. It just don't. That's only good for here, and it ain't that good here, not the way this country is going. But it, it, ha- it, it, it bears no hold in heaven. It has no hold with getting to know God. It bears no bearings on understanding the will of God. See, that means I take the meat, I chew it, but I never swallow it. I swallow the word of God. That I just gum it and chew it and chew it and chew it just so I can occupy in this world. But I never swallow the king's meat. It won't get me where I need to be. And see, you can chew it and you can operate and be successful in natural things. But you won't above that because, guess what, all the natural things are coming to an end. Too often we want to eat from the table that's not going to nourish us in the time that you need it. You have to make tough decisions and stick with what got you here. The children you have, God blessed you with. The child you have, God blessed you with. Samuel and Ebony, the child you have, God bless you with. You dedicate them at the altar. You make the tough decision. Stick with the the, with the diet that got you here, and you bring him up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Nothing else matters. The what matters the most is that he knows God, and his parents know God. My heart is prepared when I'm prepared for change. Listen, not everybody is prepared for change. Even when it's change that's good, and it's the will of God. It's amazing to me how many people are not prepared for change that they know they need. They know they need it and still not prepared for it. People are not prepared for what they know is good. They know it's a good change. They know I need to make this change. They know those things. But because they're not strong and courageous and have courage, they can't make the tough decision. They can't make the tough decision. So now I'm not prepared for change. Because I can't make the. I know I need to do that. I, I want to do it. But they know it's good. They know they need to. They know that won't do it can't make the tough decision but if I'm strong and everybody can be strong and you come into the knowledge of what's being taught you can make that tough decision you can make the tough decision and you know what tough decisions is going to do it's going to bring about a change it'll bring about a change but you are Ready for change on the inside. Then you have to be ready for change on the inside. Your heart won't fail when change comes. When you do these things, your heart won't fail. When you say yes, I've made the the tough decision that I must change. Let me. Your heart won't fail. It won't fail. My heart is prepared when I expect things to change. You should have an expectancy of things to change. Because why? Life is all about change. You have to get your heart prepared for change. When David slew Goliath, he got wealth. Listen, listen, so you got to be prepared for change. He slew, we all know the story, go back and read it. He slew Goliath. When he slew Goliath, he got wealth, he got promotion, he got responsibility, he got opportunity, he got favor, everything but guess what? He also came along with all of that. He also got new opposition. See, you might get all of these things, but you're gonna get new opposition with whatever that, that change is. The, and look how his change came. Look at the opposition. The same man that sent him out to fight now want to kill him. Saul sent him out, now he wants to kill him. A new opposition. The same man. And he only wanted to kill him because when David got through killing Goliath, he got more attention than Saul. He's like, oh no, uh uh-uh. He got to go. But David was prepared. He wasn't only prepared for the promotion, the favor, favor, the opportunity. He was prepared for the opposition. He knew how to handle it. My heart is prepared when I remain who I am in the midst of change. I got to stay who I am in the midst of change. Listen, don't let change change you. Oh my God, have I seen that in people? They get a little change and it changes them completely. change changes things and change everything going on around you but listen it doesn't change who you are look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 5 and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants I like that. And David went out. Verse 5. And David went out, whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. You know why? He didn't change who he was. That's why. He didn't change who he was. He didn't let everything that was thrust upon his life change him. See, you got to see it, get the picture. The day before this, he was a shepherd boy. The next day, he was over everybody. See, you got to see it from one day to the other. But it didn't change him. It says he 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 acted wisely. He behaved himself wisely. And that caused him to be accepted. Mm, that ought to be revelation for some. Start being wise and you'll be accepted. Listen, things are going to change around you. But don't let it change you. You remain who you are, you remain in the will of God no matter what. I don't care how much money you get. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much square footage you have in your house. I don't care what kind of car you drive. Don't let it change you. Remain in the will of God. Over the course of my ministry with my founding pastor and even now, many things have changed around me. But I haven't changed. I haven't changed. Who I am have not changed, and it never will and listen, it doesn't matter, see, because I went from a pastor's wife to pastor, and i'm never gonna I'm never going to say when when we get back to our new normal, if we go shopping, oh now, I can't go shopping with them' I'm, I'm still who I am, I'm still who I am, you're not going to get in on the goods without me. No, 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 because I, it doesn't change me now, I'm, now I'm too stuck up, and now I'm too uh, uh, you know, I'm the pastor. I can't be hanging with you all. No, it, uh, changes can be all around you. You don't have to change. Remain in the will of God. I'm the same person. years ago, when I started preaching the gospel, many years ago, and many things around me have changed. But I haven't changed. Listen, don't let things that are happening around you change you. Listen, let us see. My heart is prepared when I'm ready for a new thing. Last one. When I'm ready for a new thing. Church, we have... We've been in this time for some time now, in this crisis in our country for a while. And I don't really know when this time is coming to an end. But it's going to end. It's going to end. By now, you should have come to a point over a year that what is going on is not going to change you. There's no change in you. That's why you still got to go to church, even if it's streaming. You still got to study. You still got to be. See, just because you don't come in here. Because when all of this ends, life is going to, be a new, going to be new again. When this pandemic is over, life is going to be new again. Stop saying in your mind, I can't wait for things to go back the way they were. They won't go back to ever go back to the way they used to be. It's going to be a new normal. Things are going to become new, I'm telling you now. And you've got to be prepared for the new. God has given us heads up way ahead of time. He's been giving it to us. How, listen, how you relate to your family is going to be new. How you accomplish things is going to be new. Here's one for you. How we do church is going to be new. How other churches do church, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be new. How we define the body of Christ is going to be new. Not to God, just us. I want you to get this. You heard it here. For me, I'm already looking past this present time. Why? Because it has not changed me. I just adapted. I've adapted to the things that I have to do. But it hasn't changed me. Why? I'm busy staying awake. I'm busy staying awake. So I can see what is coming. So when new comes... I want my heart, I want this church's heart, I want your heart to be prepared. Church, we don't want new to come and our heart fails us. We don't want new to come and our heart fails us. You want God to always, always be able to do a new thing in you. God wants to do a new thing in you. God wants to do a new thing in you. On this Resurrection Sunday, God wants to do something new in you. And if you're streaming, God wants to do something new in you. All of this that I'm talking about, it stems all of this. The root of it is the resurrection. The root of it is Jesus dying on the cross for our sin and being raised From the dead. And sitting at the right hand of the Father. Making intercessions for us. All of that. We can do all of that because of that. Because of what he's done. Because he got up. Now we can walk in this victory. We can make right decisions. Our hearts can change. We can prepare our hearts. We can prepare every part of us to do the will of God.